0: Oh. Wow. Hey, hey, oh they know, they know, they know, they know the rundown is on now. Uh, for sure, uh, for sure, uh, they know, they know, they know, they know. So let's get, get, get it. Hey, what's going down, people? People, it's the homie, homie CL back live on the rundown south gotta know that and from the bottom of my heart i do appreciate you for joining me because you could be anywhere else in the world right now but you're right here with me and uh, if you like this podcast please subscribe rate review on itunes soundcloud stitcher radio google play get at us at the rundown south on twitter facebook and all the above and r.i.p to that boy Shotty low man you bless the city because you know we do this podcast right in the middle of the a, a. Every single time it pop out. So you know we really felt it right now. When Shadi Lowe recently just passed. But uh, we're going to talk a lot of hip hop about the the subtle impact that that movement did have. And also you know a few other things when I had Keith Nelson Jr. come on later on this week in the podcast. Uh, but this one right here. Oh we're going to talk some football. You know why we got to talk football. It's Falcons Saints week. Monday night. Ten years since the block punt that kicked off the whole New Orleans Saints resurgence. And if you didn't know, <clears throat> things with the Falcons and Saints rivalry really kicked up after Katrina because a lot of people from New Orleans made their way to Atlanta. And it used to be like those guys over there with their Saints fandom now those guys are over here with their Saints fandom so you tend to get a lot more smack locally and that's why I felt you know what it's time to do one of them pods so today we got Dave showed on from the Falcon Hall to bring the Falcon side and on the other side of the field we got Brian B enemy from the Shots Fire podcast to talk about them Saints now you know both of those guys been on the podcast before probably like a year or two ago and the last time we did a, a Falcon Saints podcast, so those guys really bring it, and I wanted to have them back on again so we could really dig our teeth into both teams and the rivalry itself. So, uh, we ain't gonna hold it up too much longer. You know how we get down right here to rundown. Hey, so while I'm turning up to this of Lobie, I want y'all to go ahead and listen to their podcast. First up, we got Dave show from the Falcoholic talking about them dirty birds. I wanna see somebody do the dirty bird again. I ain't seen that since Jamal Anderson. You know. Is it is it sacrilegious to bring that back? I don't know, I should've asked. But uh let's get right into it, man. Dave Show. Got one of the fan favorites on the line, somebody I haven't spoken to in a while. It's uh Dave Show from The Falcoholic. What's going on, Dave? Not much, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh man, I appreciate you making time because I ain't know if if uh you thought I'd just dished you somehow and then hit you up but uh just going through a few things and and i'm glad you you're able to come back absolutely i can't i
1: can't pass up a chance to talk falcon saints
0: oh already know that's the whole reason i had to have you on the podcast this week because this is the biggest game no matter what the records is what the projections is falcon saints everything goes out the window
1: absolutely
0: so like uh I guess like what what are the fans feeling about the falcons so far this year you know coming into this week
1: it's been a roller coaster um you know for for falcons fans that first game against the Bucs, they looked so bad you know they kind of rallied at the end which was encouraging but a lot of people felt like okay same old falcons same old problems we're in for a long year and then they went on the road and beat the Raiders like that. A uh, really impressive game, even though the Raiders barely played defense. And all of a sudden you got a lot of people feeling good again. So I think a lot of us are looking at the Saints game like it's going to be a test case for the rest of the season. You know, you win here, you're 2-1, you got some momentum going into a tough stretch. You lose here, you're 1-2, you lost to the Saints, doesn't feel good. Maybe you start doubting things again. So it's it's kind of a big game
0: speaking of that now is anybody feeling uh a little i I guess intrepidation because this is the anniversary of that block punt that really kicked off the saints renaissance yeah i think
1: we're probably feeling that a little bit we know um you know for a lot of falcons fans it's going to be Kind of the same old narrative, which is you know nobody talks about the Falcons, nobody gives respect to the Falcons because I mean this Monday Night game is going to be all about the Saints. We all know that. Um, we all know that that block punt's going to come up again and again. You know um, the, the city, the state of the city is going to come up again and again. And it's as it should be. I mean it's a big event. It was a big game for them, so I can't I can't hate on that. But people are going to feel that they they know that you know the Saints have a lot to play
0: for. Um, So it's going to be a tough one to tough one to live down unless they win it. Already, man, because I'm looking at both teams and I feel like I don't know if either team is good. Like You got two quarterbacks that have proven themselves, yet I still don't know if these are playoff teams or should these teams be tanking.
1: Yeah, I
0: mean (laughs) it's a tough one, you know, for
1: the for both teams, I feel like you're kind of in an awkward spot because the Falcons—you got all this money in, in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. You got this new coach, this new stadium opening up next year. And even if you're not a playoff team, I think you got to show growth and momentum. You can't just blow it up um, because that's going to get a lot of people fired. But you know, I I don't know if they're they're ready for prime time either. I think their offense looks pretty good, but the defense still needs work. The Saints, I mean you still got true breeze as long as you got true breeze you got to go for it but you know you look at that cap situation coming up you look at the state of the defense coming up and you wonder how many years are they going to be bad you know post breeze before they come out of it it's it's a it's a
0: big question yeah but they at they a little bleak and um, i got somebody for the saints i would ask about that because I'm, I'm concerned about their whole infrastructure from the top down it seems like a big mess but uh excuse me now you did bring up the defense and that was something I really wanted to ask you about because I haven't had a chance to really watch the Falcons and I know there's been a lot of turnover and of course you know last year new coach uh, Dan Quinn coming in supposed to bring that uh that Seattle defense y'all drafted uh, Vic Beasley with your first round pick last year. So, uh, I don't know, give me an update. How do you feel about the progress that the defense is making? And, you know, kind of what do you see out of your, you know, your young guys? Yeah, it's, uh, you
1: know, I do feel like
0: there's progress. Um,
1: they added a couple linebackers, rookie linebackers this year. Deion Jones at middle linebackers looked really great, I think. He's he's really fast. You know, he's made a couple of mistakes, but he's he's just a huge upgrade over what they had. And then Devondre Campbell is another guy. He's a little bit raw, but looked good the first week. Some mistakes, but fast, really good tackler. And he's been out though. You know, he's he's been out this week. He'll be out again against the Saints um, with an injury. But he's promising. Keanu Neal's coming back. Uh, they're, they're rookie safety. I like him a lot. Secondary's good. Linebackers are improving. For me, it's really just, I don't know what's going to happen with the pass rush. I mean, unless Beasley takes a big step forward in the near future, they just don't have one, and, and they haven't for so many years. So it's so frustrating, you know, no matter who they add, they just can't seem to get pressure on the quarterback. And when you're in a quarterback like Drew Brees, I mean, that's a big deal. you got to be able to do something about that. So I'd say I feel better about him, but we're not
0: there yet. How long do you think it's going to be before you really see that that complete upgrade?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think probably 2018. That's if everything goes the way you want it to go. I think next year is is Beasley's third year. I think he'll, you know, start to break out a little bit if he hasn't already. And I think that they'll get a little bit more out of their young guys up front like Grady Jarrett. But, you know, they got some pieces to move around. They got to still add some young talent to that front four. To get after the quarterback so you know if all really goes well and then they get a lot of improvement out of their three rookies they're counting on this year yeah i think 2018 is reasonable but unfortunately it's just not going to happen
0: this year okay and we i'm pretty uh i'm trying to think what's the word i'm pretty sure that by the end of it i think y'all probably be in the middle of the pack when it's all said and done with defense Uh but I am looking forward to seeing what Dan Quinn is able to do because it's, I guess it's the beginning of the Pete Carroll tree. So, you know, I'm big in the storyline. So I'm, I'm curious to see if whatever Pete Carroll had going on travels with Dan Quinn. Now, well, let me switch it up to the other side of the ball. Uh, let's talk about that offense. And um, you got one relationship on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Matt Ryan and kyle shanahan last year didn't get along too well um i don't even know how to describe it but saying that it might be like a actual bad relationship between a boyfriend and girlfriend where somebody is telling them uh you know you need to kind of get your act together and then the other person saying well i kind of already did it i was doing bad all by myself and uh seems like this year they seem to be a little bit more on the same page is am i reading that correct yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know,
1: like any any relationship, you know, you start things off and everything seems great at first, and that's what it seemed like with Ryan and Shanahan, and then you hit your first rough patch and you don't know what to do with it. You're fighting about it. You're sniping at each other. And then uh, if you're lucky and you're good, a little bit more time teaches you how to work it out. And I really feel like that's where they're at right now. I'm sure there's still some tension there. You know, Shanahan is an arrogant guy. Matt Ryan's not really used to working necessarily in this kind of system, but you look at it and Ryan's been really good through two games. And I think that, you know, with the offensive personnel being better, Ryan being
0: more comfortable, that's making a big difference. Okay. And now the thing about the Kyle Shanahan and, you know, that whole stretch run offense is the trademark is supposed to be the run game. And you guys have two capable running backs and it seems like the production is up and down so is is that more like offensive line is it the talent or is it the coaching like what what seems to be falling apart right in there
1: yeah it's um that's sort of an interesting question because the first week of the season obviously they didn't run well at all and then last week they really did run well so it's it's kind of uh i really think it was the offensive line um struggling with run blocking that first week and i think when you when you come right down to it that's what this team is going to live or die on because they got two talented running backs but both of them need a little bit of block and they can't create for themselves necessarily coleman if he gets to a hole sure he can he can take off and do some good work but going forward you know I, i think it's it's not a question of coaching i think they scheme well i think they pick their plays well I think it really is just a question of getting that blocking up front. It's going to be interesting against the Saints because I feel like that is the Saints' one big thing on defense is they got some good guys up front.
0: Right, and that's basically been the struggle for the last, what, four or five years is what's up with your offensive line and trying to protect Matt Ryan, keep him up right. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm looking at it from the perspective that – at the end of the day, the the offense is really based on Julio, and if anybody else is going to succeed, it's basically gonna to have to start with him because, like, and in the words of Dave Dombrowski, he is the jenga piece of the Falcons. Uh, so, I guess segueing is Julio going to be able to make everyone, even like Sanu, which is you know one of y'all new additions, and the run game a little bit better. Or will it have to start from their run game first? Yeah,
1: I, I think really, um, and it's qu- it's a good question because Julio's been banged up in every week already, and, and that's probably going to be a thing all year long. And, and I do think that just having him on the field opens up everything else. Um, I don't think somebody like Snu. I don't think somebody like Justin Hardy or Aldrick Robinson or Jacob Tammy. You know, some of those other options that they're able to, to be as effective if Julio Jones isn't on the field. I think if the ground game is really working well, it does open things up for those guys. But there's no threat like Julio. I mean, you have to put two guys on him unless you've got a great cornerback, you know, patrolling the sidelines there. So that really does create mismatches somewhere else on defense. And I think the Falcons are getting better at finding those mismatches. But if you don't have Julio out there, There's nobody that the Falcons um, opponents are afraid of. And that's just the truth. You got to hope and pray, you know, that that dude is healthy.
0: Yeah. And I'm a little concerned about him because he is an absolute freak uh, of an athlete. But like they say, the greatest ability is availability and seems to be a concern not only just you know for the falcons in general but like the long-term future since they did give him all of that money not that long ago now uh just wrapping it up i want to talk a little bit about the upcoming game just a little bit more and really want to talk about the quarterback matchup uh got drew Brees on one side and of course you got matt ryan on the falcon side is is matt ryan good You know, I I think he
1: is. I think he is good. And it's it's a big question after the last couple of years. You know, he's really struggled. Um, He struggled badly last year. That's the first season I think I'd say that he actually was not good. Um, I think he's always been at least a good quarterback, sometimes great. But, you know, the success hasn't been there in the playoffs. And that's been tough to deal with. There's been a lot going on with him. Um, you know adjusting to the offense and stuff a lot of storylines but I do I do think he's a good quarterback I think he's always been a good quarterback and I think now that they've got the weapons around him and he's got the comfort level with the offense I think this will end up being one of his best years ever
0: I hope so because a lot of people down here were very sad and also very concerned like I don't know what happened but people just turned on Matt Ryan so fast and I'm like, you know, the dude's kind of like the definition of consistent. And, you know, until like the last couple years, he played bad. But he's, I mean, he's pretty much been the rock throughout all these years. So, I mean, it's like, who you going to trade for? So,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: you got to take that into consideration. Uh, you got a prediction on the score for the game?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm feeling really optimistic about this one for some reason. I feel like it's going to be one of those classic weird years where the falcons went on the road against the saints and they lose at home like that's what i'm predicting so i've got it as a shootout i don't think either defense can really stop the other one i'm gonna say 35 31 falcons
0: oh okay so when they come back to atlanta y'all gonna be pumping that crowd noise again
1: i think you know we might have to that stadium's <laughs> getting old man
0: can't make enough noise by yourself I'm about to say, is that the only problem that why they had to pump in the crowd noise? And
1: yeah, sadly, no, no. It's uh, you know that, that knock on Falcons fans. It's uh, it's a sore subject, but sometimes it's deserved. I think.
0: Well, I know one thing. When I went to the Dome last year, they played uh, Arizona, and I mean, the crowd was pretty lit. You know, I I didn't notice the crowd noise being pumped. If it was uh but it seemed pretty organic but who knows they, maybe the engineer just did a really good job i can't yeah tell. they just upgraded you know that's that yeah. might have been it just went digital on. now what? Uh, anything else you got going on uh at the site that you want to let people know about or anything coming up
1: yeah yeah i mean we're doing a lot of great stuff i feel like um right now we got a lot going on a couple of new writers on board really? uh so we're just going to be giving giving you guys a lot of features week in week out And uh, hopefully after a few more weeks, we'll know if this team's good or not. And we'll start really diving into what that means.
0: All right. Did you have a uh, a preseason prediction for the record?
1: Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I got eight and eight again. And I I hope I'm wrong on that on the low end. But uh, I do think, you know, even if they improve, that schedule is tough. And that's probably going to be about where they'll end up is 500.
0: That's pretty much where I got them to. They, they still don't like a 500 team. So, I'm, a, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm bipartisan in this argument. So, I'm glad somebody like you, uh, who's heavily invested in the Falcons, you know, can be reasonable with your expectations. Uh, I think you got to be. You go crazy. Always, man. Well, uh, I appreciate it, Dave, for coming on and uh, talking a little bit. Falcons with me, man. I don't know. I'm going to have to reach out to you again when the... Uh, Falcons and Saints play again. Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Take it easy. Take it easy. Big shout out to Dave Show from the Hall for coming on to the podcast once again. And up next, we got Brian B. Enemy, straight out of New Orleans from the Shots Fire podcast to come on and talk about the Saints side of the field. Let's get into it. Joining me on the Rundown South podcast once again, and one of the homies, all the way from the N.O., Brian B. me. What's going on, man?
2: Nothing much, my brother. All is good. How's everything out there in the ATL?
0: Oh, man, I'm cool and well. I'm just uh, trying to keep my head above water and uh, and really just getting back in the swing of things, so I'm glad you got a little time for me.
2: Absolutely, man. Anytime you need me, I got you.
0: I know we tried to make this happen at least like a week ago. Still, get yeah, done.
2: man, it's cra- crazy how, how the schedules got to match up. But I got you. Oh, All day, man.
0: But uh, I know we're recording this on Sunday morning, so definitely way before this Falcons Saints game coming on. Uh, so I guess we could kick it off talking about that, and then we can kind of digress into what's going on with the Saints now. Like, what's the the mood in the city? going into this game because it is like the the anniversary of you know the Saints coming back after Katrina, you know the block punt that kind of kicked off everything in the Drew Brees era. So like what what people are really saying about about the Saints right now.
2: It's kind of crazy, man, because the mood in the city really has nothing to do with, you know, the 10-year anniversary of the block punt. At this point, you know, everybody's just anxious to get a win. We had two close, close games, first against Oakland in which, you know, it comes down to the wire. Uh, Jack Del Rio goes for a two-point conversion, and I mean, you know, basically just kind of— he set the tone in that game that it, it was going to be difficult for the Saints to get wins with the young secondary that they have. And then you go against the New York Giants and you lose by a field goal after pretty much holding them scoreless the entire game. So uh, right now the Saints fans and, and pretty much the Saints team in general, they're just looking for a win. They're looking to play a complete football game. First game, it was offense that held uh, that held up. Second game, it was defense that held up. Now they need to put it all together. If not, looking at 0-3, you know, could pretty much fail the end of the season for them.
0: Now this is the Falcons, so 0 and 3 would be bad. But if you were to win just two games all season and go ahead and tank and get the Sean Watson, would you be good with that? Personally,
2: yes. But I know there are Saints fans all over the place that are not, you know, on 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 board with that. And if, if they're gonna lose and go 2 and 14 oddly enough the two games that they damn sure want to win are the games against atlanta so uh <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: that, that's just the way it goes when you know with between the rivalry but I, i'm perfectly fine with that because i think the drew breeze era is coming to a close but it's not that drew breeze still isn't good right now he's at five touchdowns no interceptions and roughly about 700 yards so uh you can't blame it on drew right
0: now definitely not because he shows up every single year does his thing and it's, it's kind of just on the rest of the team to really just, you know, give him some support. Now I know, like, before the contract extension was announced, there was a few, like, talks about, like, trading Drew Brees. Like, mm-hmm. how, how was that perceived down there?
2: You know, it's, it actually was a 50-50 split between, you know, Saints fans when it, when it comes to how they look at Drew Brees. Most of the Saints fans realize that You've pretty much wasted Drew Brees' golden years over the past, you know, few years or so, pretty much since the Super Bowl. And maybe I would think the last decent season that, that you thought the Saints had a chance was 2011. So from that point on, during the Rob Ryan era, you had Steve Spagnolo slash Bounty Gate. During that time, you pretty much wasted about five years of Drew Brees' prime years because you couldn't put a defense on the field that could help him out. So some fans were like, you know what, trade him, let's rebuild, let's start it over. And the only asset that you have is Drew Brees. Other fans looked at it and was like, you know what, it's not his fault. Build the team around him, you know, blame coach, blame the general manager, but you can't blame Drew Brees. So it was really a 50-50 split. I'm one of the guys who feels like, you know what, whatever it takes to make the Saints a winner, because, you know, I kind of posed the question on Twitter, if you could lose, if you could lose right now, but you'd be a perennial you know super bowl contender for the next three to five years would you trade drew Brees to do it and most people said yes
0: Mm. okay that's that's real interesting and you touched on a couple things now kind of spreading the blame around about this the current status of the saints uh sean payton mickey loomis right there and y'all got a couple things going on in that front office you know especially with the little turmoil with the owner and his family and i kind of like hypothesized that with all that going on that it's kind of made it hard for them to move on from sean payton and mickey loomis is am i reading that correct well that that's somewhat you're
2: somewhat going down the right lines when you look at it that way but the idea of it is this my man Mickey Loomis is beloved by Tom Benson and Tom Benson's right-hand man, who's the president of Saints, his name is Dennis Lausher. Sean Payton is loved by Mickey Loomis and he's also loved by Mr. Benson, but Mr. Benson trusts Mickey Loomis with, I mean, absolute certainty. Anything Mickey Loomis wants, he's going to get and and in, in a de facto type of way, the same goes for Sean Payton. I know a lot of people don't understand the structure of the safe, so I'll try to make this as quick and as easy as possible for you guys to understand. Go ahead. Mickey, Mickey Loomis is the general manager in name only. And, And around these parts, we understand him to be basically a glorified accountant. Sean Payton is technically the general manager. Sean says, I want this guy, I want that guy. And when he does that, he goes to Mickey Loomis. Mickey Loomis says, okay, give me a week, I'll see if I can make the numbers work. If Mickey Loomis can make the numbers work, the Saints get that player. If he can't, then they move on. And that's pretty much how it goes. Sean Payton is is the general manager. He controls personnel at all points. Mickey Loomis just makes the numbers work. And that's the structure of the Saints. And it worked to a degree. Unfortunately, it's been some time now since it's worked, they've been very hit or miss when it comes to signing free agents. And a lot of people look at the general manager. If you can blame Mickey Loomis for anything, Blame Mickey Loomis for not knowing how to say no and and that's pretty much it because Sean Payton is is, is like a, I like, to, I like to use the analogy, he's like a rich kid with a black card. He's got daddy's black card, he's going crazy, swiping it all over the place and now it's time for daddy to step in and say, you know what, that's it, you're done. Let me get your card for a little while because you spent the money foolishly. If you want to blame Mickey Loomis, blame him for not being able to step in and tell Sean no. Other than that, you can't blame him for the personnel.
0: All right and I can believe that because during the time that you know post Super Bowl uh, when it looked like the defense was in turmoil already they traded up to get Mark Ingram and then they also took Brandon Cooks which you know they're still contributing to this day but it was really apparent that there was some needs on the defensive side so when you said that Sean Payton is is technically the general manager, I can definitely believe that. <clears throat> now, uh, you can you can see
2: it in the moves. It, it's all over his moves
0: already. Now you said Mickey Loomis is a, a glorified accountant. What the hell's up with his accounting skills? Because that salary cap looked like hell.
2: It, it, it's the fact that it's the fact of basically again, man. You've given your kid what you want, and I think that's what I, you know. That that's the point that I'm trying to make. If Mickey Loomis can be faulted for anything it's going to be not being able to tell Sean no. Now, I do know when it comes to certain contracts, both guys were not on board. And, and that is, is why you see some of the contracts being, or uh, the dead money that the Saints have being inflated the way that it is. And a great example of that would be Junior Gallet. Sean Payton did not want to give Junior Gallet that extension at the time that he got it. He didn't mind paying Junior Gallet, but he didn't want Junior Gallet to get that money at the time because he understood who Junior Gallet Junior was. He understood exactly who he was. So Mickey Loomis, on the other hand, is thinking, you know what? If I don't pay this guy now, me paying him a year from now, he's going to ask for a, just an astronomical number that I may not be able to pay. And if you pay attention to, to both sides of it, they both were right. Sean Payton was right in the idea that you don't pay Junior gallette that kind of money because he's a head case. Mickey Loomis was right when it comes to Junior Galette because... The Saints have yet to be able to replace what Junior Gallette brought to the table. You can say what you want about Junior Gallette going crazy on the beach or, you know, busting his, his Achilles two years in a row. You know, injuries happen and Junior Gallette was always a head case. You knew that about him going in. But the idea of it is that the Saints can't replace his production. He was 10 sacks a year guaranteed. Yeah. And the Saints have now tried five different guys in that spot since Junior Gallette has been gone.
0: Man, that's... That was something that really hurt when they had to cut him i was like Boy, they just gave him that contract like yeah it, it was yeah it was a little shocking but i i already understood because once that video came out it was donezo for him and you look at where he ended up and what he is now so can't be too mad at him and uh hopefully they'll be able to come back around you know with somebody that can at least give you half of what you was getting but you know these these pass rushes out here they they hard to come by but uh speaking of pass rushes now got going back to the falcons and the saints coming up monday night is that the best let me rephrase that is that the strongest point for the saints going into the game uh, and being able to like neutralize julio jones because we know that's the only thing that we're scared of on the falcons
2: is absolutely the only thing that Saints can do. You can't get, first and foremost, from my time of studying in the Falcons, I can tell Matt Ryan is still not comfortable yet in the offense that Kyle Shanahan wants to run. Of course, he's looked he's look great. He looked great against Oakland, and he looked halfway decent in the comeback versus Tampa. But let's not fool ourselves. Matt Ryan does not fit that offense. He's not a bootleg type of passer. He's not a guy that's gonna you know use his athleticism. He's a cerebral quarterback, and that's what he needs to do to, in order to excel. Well, unfortunately, now you want to get him on the move. That's not going to work out. So if you can do anything to speed up Matt Ryan's clock and get him to go in a little bit faster than what he wants to and, and not give him the time to diagnose what guy's going to be open, because it's not like he has anything outside of Julio Jones. He, I mean, Jacob Tamme doesn't scare anybody. I mean, he's not Tony Gonzalez. Muhammad Sanu is still trying to find his way in the offense. And the guys coming out of the backfield, I think the Saints are willing to give them whatever they want, come up and tackle. But if you can't stop that that six three six four beast known as Julio Jones, it's going to be a long day. And the Saints have to do whatever they, you know, I mean, they have, if they have to bring extra guys, because the front four is not going to get it done for the Saints. So if you have to blitz, bring in a corner, a safety blitz, if you have to, you have to get Matt Ryan off his sweet spots. That's the only hope the Saints have of even containing Julio Jones, because they have very, very young cornerbacks right now. Saints lost their starting cornerback, Delvin Bro. Falcons fans should know who that is. He gave Julio Jones one hell of a battle as a rookie. So he's gone for six weeks uh, due to a, a broken fibula. They also lost their number two cornerback in PJ Williams, who was supposed to be kinda like the, the other guy that kinda contained, you know, uh, the other side of the field. He's gone right now with a concussion that he suffered last week, he's put on IR. So you have undrafted rookie free agents that are at corner. You don't want Julio Jones snacking on those dudes at any time, and that's exactly what's gonna happen if the Saints can't get a pass rush
0: so from what you just said it sounds to me like you're going to need a lot from jarius bird and kenny Vaccaro. now a lot of up and down opinions on Jarius bird especially since as soon as he got the contract he got hurt and i know that made people feel some type of way now are you going to be able to depend on them in this game and going forward You know,
2: surprisingly, it seems that Jerry's Bird is getting just a little bit more comfortable in the defense that the Saints are playing now versus the defense the Saints were playing under Rob Ryan. So, are we we sold on Jerry's Bird? Absolutely not. Because at any given time, he can revert back to being who he was and what he was throughout the first few years that we've seen him. But so far... He's looked he's look pretty decent and pretty comfortable in the defense. Kenny Vaccaro is back to being Kenny Vaccaro that we knew from his rookie year. Mm. I believe what took place in that situation was that Sean Payton decided that he didn't want Kenny Vaccaro to remain the the rover type of guy, kind of like Troy Polamalu was for Pittsburgh. He wanted to make him more of a stationary strong safety. Well, that's not what Kenny Vaccaro does well. So now that he's back all over the field, I think he's, basically he's in line for a, a nice payday at the end of the off season because Kenny Vaccaro looks like a he looks like a, a pretty good, strong safety and definitely a guy that can, you know, impact the game. Can we count on them to help stop Julio Jones? The Saints have to. It, it, it's a must that they do. I think they're going to try to play some too high safety to give those rookie corners some, some help over the top and just try to come up and tackle everything, you know, in front of them. You can't give Julio Jones that 15 yard cushion. So maybe some press coverage on a on line of scrimmage, but it's going to be ugly if, if Julio gets off early.
0: Well, I'm hoping it's just a good matchup. Uh, hopefully, it's just a shootout that uh, goes down to the last minute. You got a prediction on the score?
2: Right now, I think it is going to be a bit of a shootout. And I'm going to edge the Saints only because it's at home. I'm going to go 34 24 Saints. And the reason for that is only because it's a home game. And I think. When it comes to the Saints-Falcons game, especially a game of this magnitude, there are way too many factors that play against the Falcons in this one. Over the last five Monday night games, the Falcons have lost all of them. They're seven of eight versus in primetime games versus the Saints. You can't have that kind of record not be in your head because a lot of the guys who were used to the losing, they're still there. You know, Matt Ryan has not forgotten he, he can't figure out the, the, the equation that is showing Peyton and Drew Brees you know a lot of those guys are still there and Dan Quinn even though it was his first year kinda learned the same lesson that, that Mike Smith learned and that it's kinda hard to beat Sean Payton. So I think that plays a factor as well. The emotion of being in that game it's also gonna play a very big factor into it because the Falcons know what it is. They understand that every time they're in that dome and it's you know somebody celebrating that type of event, a punk gets blocked. That's gonna definitely play into their minds and finally the Falcons cannot afford to lose this game just like the Saints can. Because the last thing you want to do is, is lose two division games with Carolina coming up next Sunday. Hmm. All of that plays a factor. And I think that will help the Saints because the Saints are pretty much, it's, it's winner, a winner you're done. So their backs are already against the wall. If I had to pick between the two until I see otherwise, i got to go Saints in this one. But it's not like the Falcons don't don't have a chance in this game because they do.
0: I'm about saying say in any division game, everything goes out the window and because you play them twice you know the plays they run it's just who's going to out execute the other team absolutely and did you uh just to wrap it up you worried about falcons fans bringing in crowd noise with them
2: uh, not unless they got a speaker with them. No, man. <laughs> not not worried about that at all. I think, especially with this game being th- being the magnitude of the game it is, it's a primetime game, which means it's a night game. And you know, w- with all due respect, when I say this, it's a chance for Saints fans to get all liquored up and come in there loud and rowdy. <laughs> I have no, I have no worries about the Falcons fans drowning them out. I think this is going to be a, a definitely a, a more partisan crowd in favor of the Saints. I'm about to say this
0: what is that different from any other week in the Bowl? i just only
2: because it's a night game you get a lot more time to get a lot more alcohol inside your system
0: okay got you all right man. <laughs> well uh, i appreciate you coming over the pod b and uh brian go ahead and tell the folks where to find you and uh let them know what you got going on
2: you can always find me on twitter the twitter handle is at brian tnr that's at B R Y A N. T-N-R. of course you can catch me on my podcast it's called shots fired that is on wtxg.com you can you can go from there and i mean just check me out i get a little crazy on there but it's all in good fun
0: you already know man and uh i know i'm gonna try to get my way down to new orleans because i need some of that food bro yes
2: sir man anytime you through you just holler at me we got you
0: oh man I, i'm i'm craving like some gumbo and some beignets like, Bro, that that you already know
2: how we get down down here So just come on down and it's on me
0: That's what's up, man I appreciate the time once again, Ryan And uh, you take it easy
2: Yes, sir No problem, my brother Have a good
0: one too. Shout out to that boy, Brian B. Enemy Coming on the podcast Talking about them Saints Y'all go check him out over there At uh, Shots Fired And special thanks to Dave Show For coming in on the podcast And, uh Please let me know what y'all think about this thing right here. Y'all can get at me at CL the main event on Twitter. You can get, write the show, CL at the rundown.com. You can follow the show at the rundown south on Twitter. And uh, any questions, comments, send them right there. We out here. Peace.